0: Dear friends, welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Thank you for joining me once again as we look at another major development in the signs of the times that tell us that Jesus' coming is near. An alarming global famine is already getting started. Well, that is very bad news, I know that when people finally realize that it is upon us it will be too late for them to do much to prepare what's worse is that it is has been created by individuals that have no interest in your well-being but this is very dark news and it has some very bright and happy news behind it a time is coming when there will never be another famine Never be another hungry person, and food will be abundant and plentiful. Today we're going to explore the issues that face the nations of the world as they grapple with the consequences of the actions of global elites. But first, let me say that we still have copies of the booklet The History of Tomorrow, Some Things Never Change, at very attractive prices. Please call our office at 540-672-3553 and inquire on how you can get quantities of this good booklet on daniel 2 that you can share with anyone you meet it explains the prophecy in simple terms so that secular people can understand it it's another opportunity to share your faith Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, how grateful we are that we have prophecy to tell us what to expect is coming upon the world and how to prepare for the synchronized and rapid major catastrophes that will overwhelm the planet at the end of time. We pray that you will send your Holy Spirit today as we study. Please teach us the truth as it is in Jesus who can save to the uttermost all who come to God by Him. We pray that first we will be your people, and second, that you will preserve us faithful until the end. Make us ready for heaven by giving us overcoming power. We want to prevail like Jacob in the time of trouble. Please help us to be victorious over the enemy in our lives and help us to see the times in which we live for what they truly are, and not place our hopes in this world, for we cannot afford to bury our heads in the sand regarding important prophecies of the end times. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 33:15 and 16. He that walketh righteously, and speaketh uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high, his place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks, bread shall be given him, his waters shall be sure. This is a promise for God's people who have been faithful in the battle with the enemy. While all around them is chaos and war and famine, they will have bread and water. Though they are perplexed and anxious, they will be fed. Listen to this from Great Controversy, page 629. The people of God will not be free from suffering. But while persecuted and distressed, while they endure privation and suffer for want of food, they will not be left to perish. That God who cared for Elijah will not pass by one of his self-sacrificing children. He who numbers the hairs of their head will care for them, and in time of famine they will be satisfied. While the wicked are dying from hunger and pestilence, Angels will shield the righteous and supply their wants. To him that walketh righteously is the promise. Bread shall be given him, his water shall be sure. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Isaiah thirty-three fifteen and 16. In Isaiah 41:70, what an amazing passage! Friends, the Lord's promises are very comforting, but you cannot presume upon His mercy. You must be converted and live for Jesus every day in order for you to be a partaker of this promise. Ultimately, when I see my friends drifting spiritually, I am deeply troubled for them because I know that they are not seeking the shelter that Jesus will provide for his faithful ones. By the way, what does taking a bribe mean? Does it mean just taking money to do something or not do something, or does it mean more than that? You know, you can take a bribe in other ways. You can be offered something such as influence or power or the approval of the church leaders, or some intangible benefit for keeping your mouth shut. This gives them freedom to do what they want to do without accountability. A bribe can come in the form of implied influence, too. For example, you can be so slavishly desirous of the approval of church leaders, which is essentially the praise of men, that you are unwilling to speak up when it is crucial. Think about it. Today, most people remain silent in the face of gross apostasy because they think that they will fall out of favor with their church. And the consequence is that church leaders have a free hand to do as they please, even if it doesn't please God, and leads the church into further apostasy. Do you think these words from Isaiah 1, 4 through 4-7 apply to us today? Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. So be aware of the praise of men. John twelve forty three. The famine in the time of Joseph in Egypt is a type of the famine of the last days. Today I'm going to share with you a number of signs that tell us that the prophetic time when a global famine affects many nations and the masses of people is right upon us. The pace at which things are changing around the globe right now is absolutely breathtaking. But most people assume that life will return to normal soon or eventually. Unfortunately, nothing could be farther from the truth. The truth is that A very real planetary emergency is developing right in front of our eyes. The emerging global food shortage should make you seek God as never before. But please don't do it from fear, but rather to secure your soul in the truth. So that when the real fear comes, you will be able to be at peace with God, knowing that he has control over the world events and your personal life as well. He has a plan that he needs to develop in the world. That plan involves peace for his people amidst great conflict and chaos. It also involves their deliverance from the traps of Satan, to cause them to forget God and bow to Satan's delusions. But it will not happen until the last minute, because God also has to test your faith. Your trust in God will cause you to place your confidence in his promises and know for a surety that the word of God cannot fail. But it's more than just trusting his promises. You have to act upon his counsel and live your life in harmony with the inspired guidance. If not, the promises will mean nothing. So let's get started. Listen to this from Politico. France's foreign affairs minister, Jean-Yves Ledrain, said the EU must come to grips with the prospect that the war in Ukraine would prompt an extremely serious global food crisis. Russia and Ukraine are both enormous exporters of grain. Half of Africa's wheat imports come from the two countries. At the same time, while food commodity prices have already surged as a result of the conflict and will surge more, Ukraine's food exports have all but ceased and its capacity to plant and harvest food this year is threatened by war. We must take charge of this new situation quickly, Ladrain said when arriving at a meeting of EU foreign ministers in Brussels Monday. But he gave few details what the EU should do, except working closely with international agencies and partners, and NGOs. Not only is the war the most dangerous and volatile situation in Europe since World War II, but the pandemic had already set in motion supply chain difficulties and shortages of all manner of goods, including food. But the war is making it much worse. Already, some of the shelves in supermarkets were empty, or at least had greatly reduced supplies and products from what they once had. Recently, when I went to find some things that I usually purchase at the grocery store, they were unavailable. And I'm talking about several items. President Joe Biden recently admitted that food shortages are going to be real, and his administration is now openly using the word famine to describe what is coming. The Biden administration is worried Russia's invasion of Ukraine will cause famines in parts of the world. White House Council of Economic Advisors Chair Cecilia Rouse told CNBC, Rouse noted that Russia and Ukraine served as the breadbasket for many parts of the world because the two countries are major producers of wheat, soybeans, and other agricultural commodities. Further, just days after Germany reported the highest inflation in a generation, with February headline CPI soaring at a 7.6 annual pace and blowing away all expectations, giving locals a distinctly, unpleasant déjà vu feelings even before the Russian invasion broke, but few supply chains remained and sent prices higher into the stratosphere. Recently, Germany took a step closer toward a reappearance of the greatly feared Weimar hyperinflation. According to the German Retail Association, HDE. Consumers should prepare for another wave of price hikes for everyday goods and groceries, with Reuters reporting that prices at German retail chains will explode between 20 and 50 percent. German supermarkets have even started limiting the purchase of cooking oils and flour, in particular, to prevent a mad rush to stock up on items that customers believe will run out. This is called rationing. Goods that are especially in demand during panic buying are rationed by allowing only so many items of those products to be sold to a customer. We have had this happen in the United States, Australia, and Europe as well as other places during the early part of the pandemic, with toilet paper and paper towels and other essentials. It was less formal than during World War II, but this is the start of rationing. When the crisis becomes more intense and limits are made on people based on weekly or monthly purchases, it could become a more formal Thing with digital ration cards and other devices to limit purchases of certain items. And now Spain allows supermarket rationing to prevent shortages as well. Spain saw sporadic shortages of different products like eggs, milk, and other dairy products almost immediately following the outbreak of the war in Ukraine. In early March, supermarkets like Mercadona and Macro began rationing sunflower oil. In Greece, at least four national supermarket chains have started rationing food products like flour, sugar, and sunflower oil due to critically low supplies caused by the crippled supply chains coming out of Russia and Ukraine. Supermarket chains are now resorting to rationing the sale of products in their brick-and-mortar stores, too, with AB Vasilopoulos setting a maximum limit on the purchase of all brands of corn and sunflower oil and of flour per customer. Also, my market has now imposed a limit on sunflower oil, well, Sklavenitis has added sugar to the ration sales of corn oil through its online store, setting a maximum limit of 4 packs of sugar. Millennials born between 1981 and 1996 have spent much of their lives living in an economic utopia where goods are cheap and plentiful. Unlike the generations before, these youngsters have yet to experience rapid inflation and shortages until now. On Tuesday, BlackRock, Inc., President Bob Capito told an audience in Austin, Texas, hosted by the Texas Independent Producers and Royalty Owners Association, that an entire younger generation is quickly finding out what it means to suffer from these shortages. For the first time, this generation is going to go into a store and not be able to get what they want, Capito said. And we have a very entitled generation that has never had to sacrifice. The economy is reckoning with what he dubbed scarcity inflation or the fallout of a shortage of workers, agricultural supplies, and housing, and of oil in some regions. I would put on your seatbelts, because this is something that we haven't seen, Capito said. To add to the pain, fertilizer prices have skyrocketed as much as 300% in early 2021 and farmers are struggling to keep up with the quickly rising costs of fertilizer. Surging fertilizer costs are projected to continue for at least the first six months of 2022, says American Farm Bureau economist Shelby Myers. She says a variety of factors are contributing to the problem. This includes the increased global demand for fertilizer outpacing production, pandemic-related and weather-related supply chain disruptions and increases in production costs, which includes soaring prices of natural gas required for making inputs. Add to that Union Pacific, A railway company in the U.S. mandated its customers reduce their shipments by 20%. One of their customers is CF Industries, a fertilizer production company. Wouldn't you know it? Its CEO, Tony Will, said the timing of this action by Union Pacific could not come at a worse time for farmers. Not only will fertilizer be delayed by these shipping restrictions, but additional fertilizer needed to complete spring applications may be unable to reach farmers at all. In Africa, many farmers will not be able to afford fertilizer at all this year. It is being projected that this will reduce agricultural production, by an amount capable of feeding millions of people. With prices tripling over the past 18 months, many farmers are considering whether to forego purchases of fertilizer this year. That leaves a market long touted for its growth potential, set to shrink by almost a third, according to Sebastian Duva, Program manager at Researcher Group Fertilizer dot org. That could potentially curb cereals output by thirty million tons, enough to feed a hundred million people. He said, "We're already seeing energy prices rise and commodities futures for wheat and corn spike." That's going to prompt concern when costs to make up and ship goods continue to set records and consumer demand continues to be above levels not seen since March 2020, said Katie Dennis, vice president of communications and research for the industry organization Consumer Brands Association. There is no slack in the system, making weathering disruption. Significantly more difficult. In a typical year, Russia and Ukraine collectively account for approximately 30% of all global wheat exports. Half of Africa's wheat imports are dependent on Russia and Ukraine. A crucial portion of the world's wheat and corn and barley is trapped in Russia and Ukraine because of the war. While an even larger portion of the world's fertilizers is stuck in Russia and Beta Rus. The result is that global food and fertilizer prices are soaring. Since the invasion, wheat prices have increased by 21%, barley by 33%, and some fertilizers by 40%. The upheaval is compounded by major challenges that were already increasing prices and squeezing supplies, including the pandemic, shipping constraints, high energy costs, and recent droughts, floods, and fires. Now, economists, aid organizations, and government officials are warning of the repercussions, an increase in world hunger. The looming disaster is laying bare the consequences of a major war in the modern era of globalization. Prices for food, fertilizer, oil, gas, and even metals like aluminum, nickel, and palladium are all rising fast, and experts expect worse as the effects cascade around the world. Ukraine has only compounded a catastrophe on top of a catastrophe, said David M. Beasley, the executive director of the World Food Program, the United Nations agency that feeds 125 million people a day. There is no precedent even close to this since World War II. Around the world, the result will be even higher grocery bills. For those living on the brink of food insecurity, the latest surge in prices could push many over the edge. After remaining mostly flat for five years, hunger rose by about 18% during the pandemic to between 720 million and 811 million people. Earlier this month, the United Nations said that the war's impact on global food market alone could cause an additional 7.6 million to 13.1 million people to go hungry. Armenia, Mongolia, Kazakhstan, and Eritrea have imported virtually all of their wheat from Russia and Ukraine and must find new sources. But they are competing against much larger buyers, including Turkey, Egypt, Bangladesh, and Iran, which have obtained more than 60% of their wheat from the two warring countries. Wheat from Russia and Ukraine is not easy to replace from other sources because supplies are already tight in other parts of the world. So the inevitable consequence of famine will form especially in vulnerable parts of the world. But listen to what the former Russian president and now senior Russian security official has said. Dmitry Medvedev has threatened that Russia may soon cut off the West from food exports. According to Medvedev, Russia, a major player in the global market for wheat and other agri-food products, will instead focus on keeping itself fed, alongside supplying its friends and close allies. Posting on his telegram, Medvedev said that cutting off the likes of North America and the European Union from its agricultural produce would be a very good way of retaliating against sanctions imposed by the West. Here is what is in his mind, and no doubt President Putin's. It so happened that the food security of many countries depends on our supplies, the Russian official wrote. It turns out that our food is our quiet weapon. Quiet, but ominous, the priority in food supplies is our domestic market and price control He continued, we will supply food and crops only to our friends. Fortunately, we have a lot of them, and they are not at all in Europe and not in North America. We will sell both for rubles and for the their national currency in agreed proportions. We will not supply our products and agricultural products to our enemies, he went on to say, and we won't buy anything from them, although we haven't bought anything since 2014. But the list of products prohibited for import can be further expanded. Medvedev's threat echoes others being made by the Russian government, such as that reportedly unfriendly nations will soon be forced to pay for a variety of Russian resources, including the countries much sought after gas exports in rubles only, or be cut off from the supply completely. These things are causing the world to tremble, my friends. They are also stoking war over food. There will be civil unrest and riots in parts of the world, especially that are affected. There may be civil wars and other conflicts related to the food shortage. China's agriculture minister recently said that winter wheat condition could be the worst in history. We are also being warned that the winter wheat harvest in the United States will be disastrous due to severe drought. During a recent interview, one prominent U.S. farmer stated that most Americans won't like it when your grocery bill is up to $1,000 a month. The head of the UN World Food Program says that what the planet is now facing is unlike anything we have seen since World War II. This is a perfect storm. And you can add to the perfect storm in manufacturing and supply chain the natural disasters such as droughts in China and the U.S., and in some parts of Africa that will further stress the food supply. We have been warned over and over again that this day is coming. Now it is here. This crisis really is going to affect every man, woman, and child on the entire planet. Jesus warned us that food security would be a major issue at the end of time, and it's because of the wickedness of men. If man works against God it will lead to catastrophe and disaster so a perfect storm is brewing of synchronized catastrophes that fall on the agricultural industry the supply chain and the, the delivery system and it's about to break upon our the world in our time circumstances have developed that will make food very difficult to get in many places. And even the basics are becoming so expensive that it is difficult for poor people to buy them. You can see why people will panic, especially in the big cities. There will be riots and conflicts and unrest in the big cities. But the food crisis will affect everyone, even those living in the country. You might have thought that world hunger was going to be a result of only disasters and catastrophes of nature. But think again. Globalization has had a big part to play in it. Monopolistic policies of industries have played a part in it. Man is his own worst enemy. God has allowed rebellious man to organize the world into confederacies. And this has brought misery and suffering upon the world that will extend everywhere. Listen to this from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 8, page 27 and 28. The world is a theater. The actors, its inhabitants, are preparing to act their part in the last great drama. With the great masses of mankind... There is no unity, except as men confederate to accomplish their selfish purposes. God is looking on. His purposes in regard to his rebellious subjects will be fulfilled. The world has not been given into the hands of men, though God is permitting the elements of confusion and disorder to bear sway for a season. A power from beneath is working to bring about the last great scenes in the drama. Satan, coming as Christ, and working with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in those who are binding themselves together in secret societies. Those who are yielding to the passion for confederation are working out the plans of the enemy. The cause will be followed by the effect. Here is another interesting statement from the Review and Herald, June 2, 1903. The end of all things is at hand. The men of the world are rushing on to their ruin. Their schemes, their confederacies are many. New devices will continually be brought in to make of no effect the counsel of God. Men are heaping up treasures of gold and silver to be consumed by the fires of the last days. A truly nightmarish global food crisis really is upon us, and hundreds of millions of innocent people are going to deeply suffer as a result. The Bible has warned us over and over again that famines will come at the end of time. This would bring distress upon nations. It may even bring war and pestilence. The situation will get worse and worse until Jesus ends his work in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. Then the world will be plunged into a time of trouble such as never was. In my entire lifetime, I have never seen anything like this and conditions are getting worse with each passing day. You need a plan that follows God's word to survive this crisis. I have been warning over and over again that it is past time to leave the cities. Terrible things are coming to the cities of the world. They are not only hotbeds of violence and evil and wickedness, but they will be the center of distress through famine want, and the corresponding strife, we are told to move to the country to take advantage of nature and agricultural benefits. Listen to this from Country Living, page 7. Calamities will come, calamities most awful, most unexpected, and these destructions will follow one after another. If there be A heeding of the warnings that God has given, if the churches will repent, return to their allegiance, then other cities may be spared for a time. But if men who have been deceived continue in the same way in which they have been walking, disregarding the law of God and presenting falsehoods before the people, God allows them to suffer calamity and that their senses may be awakened. And here is another statement from Ministry of Healing, page 365. It was not God's purpose that people should be crowded into cities, huddled together in terraces and tenements. In the beginning, He placed our first parents amidst the beautiful sights and sounds He desires us to rejoice in today. The more nearly we come into harmony with God's original plan, the more favorable will be our position to secure health of body and mind and soul. And here is one about Lot and his experience in Sodom. It's from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 232 and 233. The prophet Ezekiel thus enumerates the causes that led to Sodom's sin and destruction. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and needy. All who would escape the doom of Sodom must shun the course that brought God's judgments upon the wicked city. Start your garden. Grow your own veggies. Your survival depends on it. And if you don't already, you should learn how to preserve food by canning, drying, and freezing. You can also vacuum pack certain things. My guess is that in the time of trouble that is coming, we will be eating things we don't normally think of eating, like chestnuts, black walnuts, hickory nuts, and other unusual things. These are all valuable sources of proteins and fats, as well as other nutrition. You need to think about how to simplify your lifestyle and live without so much variety, and cooking or preparing complicated recipes with processed foods. The world has never faced this kind of difficulty, and there is a larger issue to consider. And I will conclude with this important consideration. It has to do with how Satan is arranging everything to bind men in bundles and prevent them from hearing the truth. It also has to do with how he is isolating God's people so they can be persecuted. The world is having many crises. One follows on the heels of another. And they happen in rapid succession. With each subsequent global crisis, people feel more justified in hating and mistreating the enemy. First, it was the unvaccinated. It was okay to limit their freedoms and not allow them to meet with others or go to a restaurant. People were cultivated to treat them as if they had leprosy. They didn't want to associate with them or contact them in person. Now the next crisis is upon us. This time it's the Russians, and people think it's okay to freeze their bank accounts, prohibit them from studying at university, or stop selling their products in the shops. In some places around the world, Russians have been restricted in their ability to buy and sell, or participate in the marketplace, or sports, the arts, or other entertainment. There will be one crisis after another, and with each subsequent crisis, people will feel more and more justified in harming the enemy. And because of the prevailing opinions, Even nations will not protect their own citizens that fall in the category of the enemy. In the final crisis, the wicked will feel it is appropriate even to kill God's people who run amok of the prevailing laws and sentiment. It doesn't start with killing. It starts small by limiting personal freedoms Then there will be increasing financial restrictions, culminating in the no-buy, no-sell law. There will be no mercy for anyone who resists compliance and the forthcoming religious laws. The minds of people are presently being trained to see certain groups as the enemy rather than seeing the situation for what it is. They fail to look at it with biblical eyes and see what the real issues are. People are being trained to unquestioningly accept the narrative that is presented in the news or media or by governments. They don't realize that their thinking has been molded over time to accept what has once been unacceptable. They are being trained in very black and white thinking. There are only two categories. There are the good people who support the narrative and the evil people that don't, and nothing in between. And mass psychosis is driving them to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do under the old normal circumstances. The reason it is possible to create this mass psychosis is because now global communication between individuals is so fast through social media and the Internet, without this speed of communication, ideas and trends would die out in one place before they had time to arrive by by slower forms of communication in another place. In the past, it has not been easy to create global fear and obsession. But now it's becoming the norm. Satan is taking control of minds of men and women through social media. And now he can easily manipulate them into one worry after another, one fear after another, one delusion after another. People are now getting very involved in all the global crises and taking sides, even when the global issues don't really affect them. People spend an enormous amount of time online engaging with the global issues because their mindset has been changed by the experience that they had during the pandemic. Now people see a problem everywhere and anywhere in the world as something that affects them a lot, even if it actually doesn't affect them that much. And they become obsessed with it. As society becomes more and more polarized, there is social pressure to take a side on any global crisis. For example, you are either for Ukraine or for Russia or you are for vaccination or not. There is no space for alternative views, and depending on what side of the issue you are on, there are consequences. You might even get canceled from communication platforms or even in the larger society. You are not permitted to have a well-balanced view and express those views in public. You are either for us or against us. There is no middle ground. That's the way it is in the great controversy, too. You are either all in for Christ or all in for the devil. There is no middle ground. There is no room for alternatives. And people live in fear of the next crisis. They feel that their lives are being threatened by COVID or by possible nuclear bombs, or etc. So, they are likely to take extreme measures for even minor crises. In this state of ever-growing anxiety and fear, the vast majority of people are more and more likely to only think of what they are told to think and to believe what they are told to believe, Or what is suggested to them. One of the greatest challenges facing God's church during these times of crisis and mass psychosis is how to resist the influence of the world around us and to not bring this type of thinking among us. And we are not doing very well in this area. Typically, church people are the same as the world. They think like the world, and they act like the world when they are afraid. And many of God's people are not connected with Christ, so they inevitably fall for the delusions of the enemy. For example, churches were split down the middle over the vaccination issue. People who chose not to be vaccinated, were called unloving and not Christians by those who were strongly supportive of the vaccination. So this black-and-white thinking pervaded the church too. Rather than being willing to respect that everyone has a choice in the matter of what they put in their bodies, people took sides, either for or against vaccination. And tragically, the church organization refused to recognize individual liberty and freedom to choose. Therefore, how can you trust them to defend your liberties in other areas when they become part of the crisis? Some people stopped coming to church because of the vaccine wars going on in the church. God's people need to be very closely connected to Him during these times of mass fear and the herd mentality so that they can resist this influence all around them and that they can view things from heaven's point of view. This is the groundwork, though, for persecution. It's not focused on Sunday yet, but eventually it will. Ultimately, it's all a battle for the mind. The devil comes with mass fear and worry, and God comes with truth. We will choose which one to believe. The enemy will cause pressure by suffering on the faithful followers of Christ. Here is one last statement from Acts of the Apostles, page 541. It is no part of Christ's mission to compel men to receive Him. It is Satan and men actuated by His Spirit who seek to compel the conscience. Under a pretense of zeal for righteousness, men who are confederated with evil angels sometimes bring suffering upon their fellow man in order to convert them to their ideas of religion. But Christ is ever showing mercy, ever seeking to win by the revealing of his love. He can admit no rival in the soul, nor accept of partial service, but he desires only voluntary service, the willing surrender of the heart under the constraint of love. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for these revelations from your word that tell us what is coming. That way we can prepare spiritually to endure them. And with Christ, we can endure the worst calamities and pressure. Please help us today to prepare for what is coming. And if there is any hope of still getting out of the city for some, please help them. And please help those of us who are trying to live by your principles, to have a sense of your presence, and learn what we need to know to survive the coming famine. There is coming a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord, too. Please help us to be filled with your word. Help us to understand the times in which we live, and the warnings that you have given us in your word. We oh. are. We hope you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is called "Lo He Comes, sung by the Three Angels Chorale. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called On Our Journey Home. If you would like a copy, of the CD, just send $16 postpaid and we will gladly send you one. International listeners should send $20 to USD. Be sure to mention the consecration CD. The following is our prophetic intelligence briefing a feature that brings you current events in the light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord. May the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this month,
1: New World Order. What is it and why is Joe Biden preparing America to be the leaders? On Monday, President of the United States, Joe Biden, spoke at the Business Roundtable's quarterly meeting and told the crowd of CEOs that a new world order is coming. Biden's comments sparked a conversation online that has been prevalent among conspiracy theorists since the 1990s when George Bush Sr. first announced the advent of a NWO. According to a fact-checked article by USA Today, Biden was referring to the Russia-Ukraine war when speaking of a new world order not a global government with a single currency and military. Quote, and now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to. There's going to be a New World Order out there, Biden said. And we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. Is the New World Order bad? The New World Order has long been thought of as a conspiracy theory peddled by anti-government religious extremists which mainly belong to the Republican Party. A new world order is by common definition a one-world government, which critics fear would lead to global domination by a small group of people. Biden said the world has been living in a liberal world order since 1946, which led to positive results under the United Nations. Now, with Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine due to growing worries of UN interference in Russia, Biden wants the United States to lead the New World Order. What does that mean? We have yet to find out. The mainstream media is denying this New World Order, NWO, by relegating it to conspiracy theory. But the NWO is prophesied in the Bible. Revelation explains the second beast, the United States, having the image of the first, Roman Catholicism and declares that America will lead the NWO, especially in enforcing the worship of the first beast. Rome may not have to speak for herself. Biden, being Catholic, may be doing the talking for her. Quote, And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Revelation 13, 12 Next, Car-Free Sundays, IEA sets out 10-point plan to reduce global oil demand. Driving more slowly, turning down the air conditioning, Car-Free Sundays, and working from home should be adopted as emergency measures to reduce the global demand for oil, according to a 10-point plan from the International Energy Agency, IEA. Such measures and changes to consumer behavior would allow the world to cut its oil usage by 2.7 million barrels per day, within four months equivalent to more than half of Russia's exports, the global energy watchdog said. The IEA laid out a series of measures it said would help reduce global demand, currently close to 100 million barrels per day, helping to ease sky-high oil prices hurting consumers and reduce reliance on Kremlin-controlled resources. Immediate steps it recommended, including reduced speed limits, car-free Sundays, and cheaper public transport. Quote, These efforts would reduce the price pain being felt by consumers around the world, lessen the economic damage, shrink Russia's hydrocarbon revenues, and help move oil demand towards a more sustainable pathway, it said. The IEA said that many of its proposals could be implemented by governments of advanced economies immediately and estimated how much oil they would save by doing so. Reduce speed limits on highways by at least 10 kilometers per hour saves about 290,000 barrels per day of oil use from cars and an additional 140,000 barrels per day if trucks also reduce their speed. Quote, A reduction in speed limits can be implemented by national governments. Many countries did so during the 1973 oil crisis, including the United States and several European countries, the IEA said. Work from home up to three days a week where possible. One day a week saves about 170,000 barrels per day, three days saves about 500,000. Pre pandemic, the use of private vehicles to commute was responsible for about 2.7 million barrels of oil use a day, the IEA said. Yet about one-third of those jobs could be done from home. Car-free Sundays in cities. Every Sunday saves about 380,000 barrels per day. One Sunday a month saves 95,000. Switzerland, the Netherlands, and West Germany did this during the 1973 oil crisis and and some cities have used the measure to promote public health more recently. Benefits include cleaner air, reduced noise pollution, and improved road safety, the IEA report said. Make public transport cheaper and incentivize walking and cycling. Saves about 330,000 barrels per day. New Zealand is having public transport fares for the next three months in response to high fuel prices, while studies in the U.S. have shown cheaper fares lead to greater use. Some governments have incentivized people to walk or subsidize bike purchases. All of this would require government subsidy. Alternate private car access to roads in large cities. Example, every other day. Saves about 210,000 barrels per day. For example, cars whose number plate ends with an odd number can drive on Monday and those with an even number can drive on Tuesdays. Such schemes have been deployed to tackle congestion and air pollution peaks in Athens, Madrid, Paris, Milan, and Mexico City. Exceptions could be made for electric vehicles. One downside is that households with multiple cars could game the rules. Reinforce the adoption of electric and more efficient vehicles. Saves about 100,000 barrels per day. By the end of last year, 8.4 million electric vehicles, EVs, were on the road in advanced economies, but the IEA urged faster adoption. Quote, actions taken now to hasten the adoption of electric vehicles will have a sustained effect in the future, it said. The IEA called for governments to pursue such measures to counter massive global disruption. Quote, as a result of Russia's appalling aggression against Ukraine. The world may well be facing its biggest oil supply shock in decades, with huge implications for our economies and societies, said the IEA's executive director, Faith Birol. Reducing oil use must not remain a temporary measure, the report noted. Sustained reductions are important not only to improve countries' energy security, but also to tackle climate change and reduce air pollution, it said. Quote, The Sunday movement is now making its way in darkness. The leaders are concealing the true issue, and many who unite in the movement do not themselves see whether the undercurrent is tending. Its professions are mild and apparently Christian, but when it shall speak, it will reveal the spirit of the dragon. Councils for the Church, page 335. Next, in new phone call, Ukraine's President Zelensky tells Pope Francis he would welcome Vatican mediation. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky said on Tuesday that he had spoken to Pope Francis on the phone, telling the Pope that he would welcome Vatican mediation to end the suffering in his country. Writing on Twitter on March 22nd, Zelensky said he told the Pope about the difficult humanitarian situation and the blocking of rescue corridors by Russian troops. The Ukrainian president also said that, quote, the mediating role of the Holy See in ending human suffering would be appreciated, and thanked the Pope for prayers for Ukraine and peace. Zelensky also referenced his call with Pope Francis during a speech to the Italian parliament on March 22. Speaking via video link, the Ukrainian president said he had spoken to the Pope who had said very important words. The president said that Pope Francis told him, quote, I understand that you desire peace. I understand that you must defend yourselves. Soldiers and civilians defend their country. Each one defends. And I responded, Zelensky recalled, that our people have become the army. They became the army when they saw the evil their enemy does. What devastation it has left. Zelensky said that in the conflict with Russia, at least 117 children have been killed, thousands wounded, tens of thousands of families destroyed, and millions of homes abandoned. And all of this started from one person, he said. Andrei Urash Ukraine's ambassador to the Holy See, also shared the news of the conversation between the Pope and the President on Twitter on Tuesday. Urash described the phone call, which he said took place on the morning of March 22nd, as a new visible gesture of support for Ukraine. The conversation was very promising, the ambassador commented, adding that Pope Francis said that he was praying and doing everything possible to help end the war. According to Urash, Zelensky repeated his invitation to Francis to visit Ukraine. Pope Francis also spoke with Zelensky in a telephone call on February 26, two days after Russia's full-scale invasion of neighboring Ukraine launched by President Vladimir Putin. This is just what the Pope wants. Quote, And by peace he shall destroy many. Daniel 8.25 Next, UN Secretary-General warns, once unthinkable nuclear war within the realm of possibility. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres warned that a possibility of nuclear conflict exists in the midst of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Gutierrez briefed journalist on the Ukraine situation Monday where he described multilateral efforts to reach a diplomatic end for Russia's attack on the country. During this presser, Gutierrez spoke to the recurring questions about how Vladimir Putin's military steps against Ukraine could lead to the breakout of nuclear war. Quote, raising the alert level of Russian nuclear forces is a bone-chilling development, Gutierrez said. The prospect of nuclear conflict once unthinkable, is now back within the realm of possibility. Guterres also called for the safeguarding of nuclear facilities, which comes amid rising public concerns when the Chernobyl nuclear plant recently got cut off from the Ukrainian national power grid. Power was restored to the Chernobyl facility on Sunday. As officials warned, there could have been a potential nuclear disaster if power failed long enough for a radioactive leak to happen. Quote, It's time to stop the horror unleashed on the people of Ukraine and get on the path of diplomacy and peace, Gutierrez said. The appeals for peace must be heard. This tragedy must stop. Quote, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, 6 and 7 Next, Pope to consecrate Ukraine and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on March 25th. In response to a request by Ukraine's Catholic bishops, Pope Francis will consecrate both Ukraine and Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in a special ceremony on Friday, March 25th. The 25th is a special day in the Catholic Church's calendar, the Annunciation of Mary, when the angel Gabriel visited her and told her she would conceive and bear a son, the Messiah. On Friday, 25th of March, during the celebration of penance at which he will preside at 1700 in St. Peter's Basilica, Pope Francis will consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, reads the statement from the Vatican. The same act on the same day will be carried out in Fatima, Portugal, by His Eminence Cardinal Krajewski Apostolic Almoner as envoy of the Holy Father. In Fatima, Portugal in 1917, the Virgin Mary reportedly appeared to three peasant children and warned them about the heirs of Russia that she said would spread throughout the world in the 20th century. She also told them about a second world war and that eventually a future pope would consecrate Russia to her immaculate heart, which would bring a period of peace. The Catholic Church teaches that the incidents at Fatima in 1917 are worthy of belief, in that they do not contradict the moral or theological teachings of Christianity. However, no Catholic is bound to believe them. It is a matter of devotion. In their March 2nd letter to the pope, The Ukrainian Catholic bishop said, In these hours of immeasurable pain and terrible ordeal for our people, we, the bishops of the Episcopal Conference of Ukraine, are spokesmen for the unceasing and heartfelt prayer supported by our priests and consecrated persons which comes to us from all Christian people to dedicate your holiness, our motherland, and Russia. Mary, the Mother of God, Queen of Peace, accept our prayer. Regina Passis Ora Por According to the Catholic News Agency, CNA, the Ukrainian bishops have also posted on their website an updated Ukrainian text of an act of consecration of Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, asking that it be recited privately after each Mass. Before the revolutions of 1917 that overthrew the Russian Empire and led to the creation of the Soviet Union, Russia was colloquially known as the House of Mary because there were more shrines and churches dedicated to Our Lady than in any other country at the time, said the CNA. On February 24th, the day Russia invaded Ukraine, the Catholic bishops there issued a statement calling on all Ukrainians to pray for peace. Their statement partly reads, Now is the time to unite in prayer, in our families, with our neighbors, in our prayer communities, and in every parish. We encourage priests from today, after each Holy Mass, in addition to singing the supplication, to pray the act of consecration of Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of the Mother of God. Quote, May this time of trial also be an opportunity for reconciliation with our family and friends, neighbors and colleagues, and God Himself, realizing our own sinfulness and limitations, Let us apologize to the Lord. Let us proceed to the sacrament of reconciliation, fulfilling the five conditions of good confession. Let us try to participate more often in the Eucharist and receive Holy Communion to take care of the purity of our hearts so that God's grace may fill us. The Pope is angling to be the peacemaker in Ukraine. This is one tactic to raise the Church's profile. By peace he shall destroy many. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Daniel 8.25 Next, Pope Francis meets with President of Zambia. Zambian President Hakande Hichilema was received by Pope Francis at the Vatican on Saturday morning. Following the audience with the Holy Father, President Hichilema met with Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Perolin and Monsignor Maroslav Wachowski, the Undersecretary for Relations with States. A statement from the Holy See Press Office indicated some of the major topics covered by the cordial discussions, including aspects of the country's economic and social situation, and the valued contribution of the Church in various sections of society. The issue of universal access to COVID-19 vaccines and treatment was also treated, as well as the possibility of further study with regard to the drafting of a bilateral agreement between Zambia and the Holy See as a further sign of respectful cooperation. Exchange of Gifts During the papal audience, Pope Francis presented President Hichilema. With a mosaic of the biblical figure of Noah. With the words, With Noah, God opens a way of salvation for creation and for every human being. The Holy Father also gave the President a collection of documents from his pontificate, including the 2022 Message for Peace, the document on human fraternity, and a book on the Statio Orbis of 27 March 2020 when Pope Francis prayed for and with the whole world to overcome the coronavirus emergency. For his part, President Hichilema offered Pope Francis a sculpture in wood and copper, representing the typical musical instruments of Zambia. Zambia wonders after, quote, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? who is able to make war with him. Revelation 13:4.
0: Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.